Hello, and welcome back to the Instructional Redesign Podcast. That's very presumptive of me, isn't it, to think everyone is a repeat listener? Hey, they may be. Well, as a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that I'm Joe Suarez, and with me is co-host Kara North, who has just returned from ATD 2023. That's the Association for Talent Development, their big conference that they have every year that was in uh, San Diego, California this year. Yes, and big and bold and all of the things. It was quite the event. I was going to ask you to describe the conference in three words. You said big and bold. What's one more? All of the things. Yeah, I did. I did it right. Yeah, big all right, bold. There all you the go. Does that enough. count? Okay. We should probably say at the top full disclosure that both you and I are in various ways affiliated with ATD. Correct. At the national level and chapter level. So for example, we're both certificate program facilitators. I don't think that's going to influence our discussion here, but you know, my journalistic integrity compels me to inform our listeners. I like that. But yes, we both facilitate for the certificate programs and are pretty active in our local chapter as well. Yeah, you went, I did not go. So I have a bunch of questions for you. The toughest one is probably the first. Why are conferences in general still worth attending? You weren't kidding. You really did go for the big one to start, didn't you? All right. I will play devil's advocate here and I'll give you my why. And then I'll give you maybe some reasons why you would potentially consider not going. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right. So I'll start with the why and For me, going to conferences is always about the people and being able to connect with people who you see on a periodic basis going to different events, people who help get you through some tough or difficult times, whether it is helping you with a project that you're working on and you're sharing information about that project on social media, or maybe it's people that have really developed into people you would consider friends and heck, I would even say some family at this point, right? So being able to be in a place that's outside of your, I'm going to say everyday work environment, having the opportunity to hopefully unplug and dive into conversations and spend meaningful time with them is truly I think something that a lot of us are still looking for, especially after everything that we've been through the last few years. And just that sense of connection, I think, was really impactful. So I'd say definitely number one would be the connection. Number two for reason why to go to a conference this large is having authentic conversations. We'll get into it a little bit, Joe, but I had no problem going up to some vendors in the expo hall and asking some tough questions about things. So I I don't want to just hide behind social media. There's a particular tool specifically that I've been really hard on this past year, but for the amount of money that they charge and I'll say the amount of business that they do in learning and development, I want answers to the questions that I ask about accessibility. Going back to my first point, the connection, uh, you're actually connecting with a real human, I think is really, really powerful. So I would say those would be my two big ones for the why. Uh, Thoughts there, Joe? I definitely agree with that, especially your first point. 
there was a period where everyone had their different degrees in which they were either ready to go back to in-person events or were transitioning back. It took some time to get reacquainted, I'll say, with what events like that are. Um, but yes, now that we're mostly all more comfortable being around each other, it reminds us there's a benefit to this, to being in person and catching up with people, meeting people for the first time, forming those professional relationships. It's what really makes events like this stand out. Yes, but so with the as, good comes the bad, right? <laughs> right. So as to your why not reasons, let's get into those. Okay. First reason why not this it is the world's largest learning development conference. I heard some differing numbers talking to event organizers, but from my estimates, I think there were between eight to 9,000 people in attendance. And at times it didn't feel that large, but at times it really felt that large. Like for example, uh, when it was time to eat, it was a little bit of a stampede and just waiting to get into networking night, which I really did enjoy this year. We were in a line probably, I'd say three to four blocks long around the San Diego Padres Stadium to get in. So it is very large and can be very sensory overwhelming to the point that I found myself multiple times this year needing to kind of get out of the main action. So I'll say that the size, if you're not prepared for it, can be extremely overwhelming. Uh, the second no, there was a real call this year to go, what I'm going to say, back to basics. This thought of, let's not get so enamored by the tools, but let's focus on what we can control. And the control in that, again, is the curriculum, is the way that we approach problem solving, etc. And I will tell you, I'm not going to name names. But there were several speakers that I have seen the same presentation from them now for at least five years plus. So I personally don't want to ever get into that rut. And yeah, I may recycle bits and pieces and Frankenstein some of my presentations. But I hope every time I present, I give a different experience. Um, that's just something I pride myself on. But if you're newer to this. I think that that's wonderful, but I still think that the senior level kind of seasoned professional still doesn't have a professional home in a lot of these conferences. So I'll leave it at that. So devil's advocate follow-up question. So you said there's a lot of going back to basics and on the opposite extreme, I'm sometimes frustrated with, and this is not something that's exclusive to our industry by far, but there's a tendency to want to reframe the fundamentals as something mm -hmm. new and exciting, just wrap them in a different kind of package, call them something different. So if people are truly going back to the basics, that stuff is going to be pretty evergreen. It's going to stay the same. Why would a presentation that, that stays the same year after year, if it's talking about the basics, be problematic? I think that, you know, and we'll probably talk a little bit about the keynotes and things like that, but I was really, really inspired by Adam Grant this year. And one thing that he brought up in his presentation that really stuck with me is we should be challenging best practices a lot. 
Because often what we do in best practices is we assume a lot of things and we often rest on our laurels. So the issue that I have with the back to basics is not necessarily, I'm going to say the content, but the delivery of it. I feel like at what point are we speakers and learning professionals and at what point are we recycling bins of content? Mm, Yep. Good points. So you brought up keynotes. Let's just uh, kind of review the conference from top to bottom, starting with the keynotes. So that was Adam Grant. Did you have any other takeaways from him? And then who were the other speakers and what were your takeaways? Sure. So Adam Grant was definitely, I would say, my favorite keynote. And I'm going to really go out here on a limb. Maybe the best keynote I've ever seen at a learning and development conference. And that's wow, that's, that's really that's saying order. You've, you've been to quite a few conferences. So I, I have. Yes. But I was extremely inspired by his challenging ourselves. And I know our friend Mike Taylor says this a lot, but I do believe if you are in this space, you it's your job to be a professional learner. And I feel like Adam Grant's keynote really embodied that to the point of I made action item notes that I wanted to take away the conference. And I did one of those this morning. He had this idea about who's in your challenge network, who's providing different perspectives and talking about things that maybe challenge some of the stuff that that you do. So I was very kind of introspective flying back from San Diego, thinking about social media, specifically LinkedIn. And so uh, what I did this morning is I went through people I had blocked on LinkedIn and I unblocked 50 people today. And I I'm going to see if that adds any value back to my network. We'll see kind of what comes from that. So definitely enjoyed Adam Grant. The other keynotes, and the name is going to forget me. First name was Priya. I can't think of her last name, but she talked about uh, connection and how we connect with other people and the sense of community. And it really did to me solidify Just, I think the specialness of, I'll say my main kind of core group of learning development folks that I talk to almost on a daily basis and just the support system that we have for one another. It was, it was really, really powerful. And I was shocked, maybe I shouldn't have been shocked at how many people stayed for the closing keynote. Closing keynotes always have a tough job, especially last day of the conference, everyone's fatigued. But Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton was the closing keynote at 2.30 p.m. on the last day of the conference and the place was still packed. And his keynote was a little bit more of kind of, I won't call a fireside chat. Start off just talking a little bit about how he found his way into stardom. He talked a lot about the value of, of mentorship, the value of having a championship team of people around him to love him and support him and lift him up. And then he ended with just singing a few songs for us. And you could have heard a pin drop in that conference room, the the ballroom rather, because everyone was just so incredibly moved by his beautiful voice. Uh, he did a cover of the song Forever Young and I had I had goosebumps. So it was it was a incredible way to end the conference. Wow, yeah, that is uh, different from what I've experienced. That usually the like you were saying, the last keynote presentation is definitely a tough act. And I, I looked it up, it's Priya Parker. 
Yes, that's the last it. Name yep. of the other keynote speaker. Excellent. So those were the keynotes. What about the breakout sessions? What did you sit in on and what was beneficial to you? All right. So here comes another uh, spicy take. So navigating the sessions this year was incredibly challenging. So they had a conference app that did not work for me the entire time. And I was not alone in that. Several people said they had trouble getting into the app. And to make it a little bit more difficult, none of the session signs had speakers' names on them this year. So it would have a digital sign outside the door with the name of the session, but no speaker names. And the place was massive, Joe. You had to cross this breezeway between the two buildings. And then they had sessions in both Building. So navigating was an extreme challenge. So there were a couple vendor specific sessions that were not in the expo that I wanted to go. So for example, Synthesia put on one about generative AI and the room that they had for them was, I don't know, maybe 50 seats or something. It was a very small room. And it was full and I got there 10 minutes early. I couldn't even get into that session. Um, Same, Exonify had a session. Uh, They had a case study with with Kroger, which Kroger's based in Ohio. So I wanted to go, you know, learn a little bit more about how they're using Exonify. Because I I don't know, Joe, if you remember the Exonify session we went to last year at ATD, but I thought it was a great session. So I was like, you know, I, I know I'm going to probably get a good session if I go go to this. Again, same thing, could not get into the room. I showed up 15 minutes early this time and still couldn't get a seat. So uh, there were frustrations, I think, with the allocation of the rooms as well. Uh, my session, they put me in a room with 1,400 seats. And I will tell you, I did not have 1,400 people in my session. So the, the allocation of space was quite interesting. So the sessions I was able to attend a lot of times were in the expo because I was already there. Um, or it was something that I was already sitting in the room and I was like, I'm not moving for a little bit. And so it was kind of like presenter roulette. It's like whoever kind of came in to speak, I just stayed for their session. So that was kind of how I determined the sessions this year. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine as an event organizer, there's a lot of trade-offs you have to make, especially running an event that large, eight or nine, potentially 10,000 people and venue location is one and the amount of breakout or even spaces for breakout rooms is one thing. And many of them, there's just not enough space to fit more than like 50 seats. And yeah, you could have other rooms that sit 1400 people, which is great for that space, but I'm sure it's tough to find the perfect venue for things like this. I'm sure that it is too. So I I don't mean any disrespect in that critique, but it did seem like the ones I really wanted to get into were, were full this year. So what about the expo hall, the other big part of a conference like this? What kind of things stood out? What kind of vendors were you seeing? I'm really curious how people were reacting, responding to our recent rise here of artificial intelligence such as chat gpt oh that was the the talk of the town i don't think anybody could run from the ai although i will say by far the most creative booth that was there was um i believe they're called Madecraft, and they made it look like an old school blockbuster 
So they had the big yellow and blue sign. They had like the the shelves. Their team had the blue and yellow polos. And their booth was always hopping the whole time because just the sight of the blue and yellow struck this nostalgia. But I will say it's probably the most lively expo hall that I've ever seen. It was it was hot, but there were a lot of people going around, a lot of people talking to vendors, a lot of translation services this year, which is always good to see. So I had some conversations with them. One of my fears, having not been to a conference this year since this whole AI thing has, has blown up, is that there was going to be an overfocus on the technology as typically happens when there's new disruptive technology that comes out. And as a result, you know, we were talking about going back to the basics before. It's kind of the reason we have to oftentimes go back to the basics. There's such an overfocus on the technology. And then you have to eventually realize, no, wait a minute, this is just a tool that can help us get there. But the fundamentals are still the fundamentals. So yeah, I was curious what you were seeing as far as were people overpromising things with artificial intelligence? There seems to be this general nervousness among certain vendors and tech companies that they have to be including AI in their things to stay competitive. Did you experience any of that? You know, from just walking around in my my ear hustling abilities, right? So my eavesdropping, I think people had kind of a lower BS tolerance than I've heard in recent years. I heard a lot of people questioning vendors, um, heard a lot of questions around accessibility, heard a lot of questions around the security and safety of information that their tool uses. And I was excited to hear that because uh, I think that for too long, there's kind of been this trust in, in technology and trust in vendors, but with more and more people calling for more accessible products and more and more people having what I'm going to call breach fatigue of all these different products that are part of our lives, selling our information or getting hacked. I mean, I think people are a little bit more savvy about it now and, and good for them. So those were some of the things that I, I overheard in a lot of the booths. So we talked about keynotes, we talked about breakout sessions, expo hall, but these are things that you'd experience at any big conference. There's a few things that ATD does specifically at their big conferences that make them stand out. I can think of a few off the top of my head. I'm wondering if we're on the same page there. What stood out to you as ATD specifics that took place? Yeah, so they do a couple of really nice things that I think differentiate them from other conferences. One of those things is they provide, obviously, food. I mean, it's a conference. You People have to eat. But on the first day of the conference, and this conference also starts on a Sunday, which is a little bit different than other conferences. They don't have food available for folks, so they have a program called Meat to Eat. So what that is, is in the lobby, they have names of a bunch of different restaurants. You can sign your name up of like, oh, you know, that sounds good. I'm going to go go there. And then they have a rendezvous point. So that was just something really nice that it offers for people, especially if they're traveling by themselves. And then, of course, they're infamous for their networking event nights. Uh, and so this is the one that is 
organized by ATD. And last year was pretty, uh, was going to be a tough one to beat. They rented out the Islands of Adventure side of Universal Studios in Orlando. This year, they rented out the San Diego Padres Stadium Petco Park. Um, I am actually not a huge baseball fan myself, but I did appreciate the venue and it was a good time. However, I would say the majority of the people that showed up spent half of their time, if not more, in line for an adult beverage. So I think mm-hmm. the people have spoken, they want more bars mm-hmm. at the next event. I, I should also go back. They had a theme this year. So this year was ATD's 80th year. So everything was 80s themed. So they had like 80s live music like everywhere. And even at the networking night at Petco Park, they had a hairband. I think a fake hair bait. I think, I think they were wearing wigs, but uh, they played covers all night long and people really enjoyed it. Yeah. I saw before keynotes, I was seeing people posting that that cover band or another cover band was playing 80 songs, which I thought was weird. But now that you say that it was their 80 year anniversary, it makes more sense. Yes. So one additional thing that I know ATD conferences do that other conferences do, but they take it to a whole nother level is the bookstore. They basically set up a mini Barnes and Noble in the middle of the conference space. And I'm assuming they did something similar this year. Yes, the bookstore was massive as always. Uh, They also have author meet and greets there. I was not in the bookstore yet, but it's coming. So I have about another month and a week to wait uh, until my book comes out, which I'm really excited about. Uh, They also have a lot of international attendance at this event. So I'm glad you brought up the bookstore, Joe, because catty corner to the bookstore was what they call global village. And so then they had flags out of every country of folks that visited. It's just cool to see something like that, you know, at a conference like this. And then last but certainly not least, we would be amiss if we uh, didn't mention that they had a pre-conference opportunity. So that's another nice value out of this conference is if you want to also go ahead and get one of those ATD certificates, you can. They have a pre-conference opportunity for you to come in a little bit early to do that. I'm glad you mentioned that you're going to have a book coming out. That's definitely something that I want to specifically talk about in a future episode. Um, so I feel like we have to say, yeah, full disclosure that Someday you will have a book in the ATD bookstore as well. Yes. And the same distributor will be at DevLearn. So my book will definitely be at DevLearn this year, which I'm pretty excited about. But the first appearance is ATD Core 4 in July in DC. It will be there too. Great. So last question, circling back to conferences in general. With budgets tightening, what is your advice to people that are trying to convince their boss or their higher-ups to let them attend a conference? Okay, um, I'll give you three tips. So one is it really is value-added to get out of kind of your day-to-day routine and go somewhere to where you have the ability to talk with other people that do the same work that you do and attend sessions to make you a better learning development professional I purposely didn't really try to check my email. I didn't really stay on top of social media while I was out there either. And I really just wanted to immerse myself as much as possible. So there's that. Second, uh, it's your opportunity to really 
ask some tough questions with, I'll say, little risk. I feel like sometimes when there's these engaging conversations, if you will, on social media about different topics, people can get kind of polarizing sometimes. But in a weird way, I feel like when you're in an expo hall and there's thousands of people, you asking a question from a vendor about, you know, show me how you're GDPR compliant or something like that. It's to be expected and they should be able to deliver that for you. So you're, you're going to be able to kind of cut through a lot of them with say the digital sales pitches, so to speak. And third, there's something to be said about actually meeting humans in 3d form and Just meeting people over the week, being able to connect with other people to help you build a network that you can lean into and you can really solidify some of that network at a place like this. So those would be my three uh, reasons how you could convince your boss. Nice. Yeah. The thing I would add to that is pick your battles. One thing I've noticed, at least with these ATD conferences, they tend to rotate between, I think, about four maybe five locations. So mm-hmm. off the top of my head, obviously San Diego. Also, it's going to be in New Orleans in 2024, I saw, which Correct. I know they've had yep. events there before. Orlando, like we said, and then Washington, DC is another one. If you're close to one of those, wait till the conference rotates and that will decrease your travel costs and make it an easier sell. And also, you know, there's always smaller cheaper events available like local ATD chapters put things on that if you just can't sell the big conference to your boss keep those in mind because oftentimes those can be within a a few hours drive from you and can be an easier sell can you think of anything else that we should talk about when it comes to this conference anything I didn't ask that I should have you didn't ask about the food oh well yeah conferences are often known for not having the best provided meals when it comes to lunches. What was the ATD experience like this year? Yeah, so I think they do something pretty special to where they have various vendors and you kind of pick what you want. As I said, there were thousands of people at this conference, even when, you know, everyone wanted to eat at noon, it did almost feel like a stampede. But even in the stampede, I had my food and had a seat within 10 to 15 minutes, which for something this size logistically is pretty pretty powerful. Yeah, usually it's a choice of what kind of sandwich do you want and maybe you get to choose your bag of chips or maybe it's chosen for you. But it sounds like your experience this year was what we experienced last year down in Orlando for the ATD conference where we had a decent choice of vendors. And it was nice like over the few days that we were there to say, okay, I had that vendor yesterday. I'll try this one today. Yes. And one last thing, plenty of seating. They did a very nice job of setting up plenty of of seats and tables, uh, not only in the lunch area, because, you know, one of the kind of anxieties that that people have when they run to something like this, like, oh, gosh, where am I going to sit? I need to save a seat. No problem at all um, finding a seat anywhere. And even throughout the conference space, they had this beautiful outdoor space, which the weather in San Diego to me was perfect. I don't think a lot of people will say that, though, because it was overcast and in the low 60s. That's my kind of weather. Um, I don't think that's what a lot of people like. Yeah, and people should keep in mind that we're coming from Ohio, so yes. we have a low bar on what <laughs> good weather is. Right? Um, but you could sit outside. 
And I, I did take advantage of sitting outside looking over at the bay and looking at ships for a while and plenty of plugs as well. So um, if your devices were dying rapidly, plenty of places to plug them in and charge them on all of the levels of the conference center. So very well planned and very well done. Nice. Well, thank you very much, Kara, for your summary of ATD 2023. We'll see if I can make it to 24 down in New Orleans. I've been there once. I'd love to be back and visit again. Well, requests for speaking proposals are now open. Okay, I'll have to get on it. Well, thank you listeners for attending another episode of the podcast. Like I mentioned, once Kara's book is officially out, I want to have an episode with her so she can tell us all about it and how we can get access to it, all that kind of great stuff. So look forward to that. And until next time, I'm Joe Suarez. And I'm Kara Norg. Take care.